This is the Iowa State Athletics SciCast. The SciCast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Visit any Van Wall location today to test drive the full lineup of John Deere compact utility tractors, which have the power and versatility to conquer anything this season. I'm John Walters. Today's SciCast is a visit with former Iowa State and NFL quarterback Seneca Wallace, who later this month will be inducted into the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame. Seneca had a remarkable two seasons in Ames, leading the Cyclones to a pair of bowl games and the highest AP ranking in school history. We hope you'll enjoy this visit with Seneca Wallace. Well, it is our pleasure to visit with one of the all-time greats at Iowa State, Seneca Wallace. In fact, Seneca newly inducted into the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame. What a great honor for you and your family, Seneca, and very deserving. Um, what did that mean to you to find out that you're part of the Hall of Fame? It meant a lot. It just put everything in perspective, all the hard work, the time that I put in to uh, perfect my craft, to be looked at as one of the greats here at Iowa State. It meant a lot for me. So I was truly honored when I got the call. Well, there's no doubt you were one of the greats. And growing up in Sacramento, you played on the Rancho Cordova team. And I, I, from what I understand, you might have been running for your life a little bit in those early days. Was it uh, that kind of a lesson for you in how to escape pressure? Yeah, yeah, you know, it came early, playing junior college football, obviously, before I transferred here, but all the way down to Pop Warner. It was just one of the things, you know, until you actually groom your, your position and understand what your position is like, uh, you're just an athlete out there just trying to make plays using your legs. And so I did that at an early age, Pop Warner, all the way through high school, and then continued a little bit in junior college, and that's when I started to really understand the game of football at the quarterback position. You originally enrolled at Oregon State, Oregon and, State and, yeah. and they were trying to turn you into a cornerback. Now that might yeah, be a little yeah. bit of a theme through this whole deal that everybody's trying to turn you something yeah, to, yeah. something that you aren't. So as you're going through that, and you didn't play football for a year, did you keep the dream alive the whole time, or were there times when you were thinking, you know, I might give this up? I graduated from high school in 98. I ended up getting a scholarship to Oregon State. That same year, I found out my mom had cancer. And uh, that was a tough year for me because I was going through a transition of when I was at Oregon State, not knowing if, if I was going to be able to stay there and then getting the bad news on the way home when I left that my mom was sick. And so Sac City, the junior college I attended after that, you know, I sat out 98 season and Sac City knew my situation. They said, hey, you know, if it doesn't work out at Oregon State, you got a job here. And uh, obviously transitioning into that, my head coach, Coach Griff at the time, my quarterback coach, uh, they accepted me and uh, it was hard. 98 was hard for me because I didn't know in what direction I wanted to go. My mom being sick, she said, hey, you know what? Follow your dream, continue to keep playing football. And uh, that was my strength throughout this whole process and playing and, and making it to where I am today. And by going to Sacramento City College, you got to be close to her, which, which had to help a ton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was important, you know, because being diagnosed with cancer back in 98, I mean, as a young kid, I was 18 years old. I figured she, you know, how long, much longer does she have to live? You know, is she going to pass away? So it was very difficult for me to kind of understand what cancer was about and not knowing, you know, what stage she was in or what kind of cancer she had. You know, they just told me she had multiple myeloma. I didn't know anything about it. And so I'm thinking the worst case scenario, you know, my mom's going to pass away here in the next few months. It was very difficult, but being close to her and having the support of my family and friends and for her to be able to come out and watch my games every Saturday meant the world to me. Tell me about your path then to Iowa State. 
How did how did that all take place? Who discovered you? And yeah. who else was recruiting you? I played receiver the first six or seven games because I had just came in. I was learning the system. They have another guy there named Kevin Laird who played the year before me. You know, I did my thing at receiver, and he got hurt, broke his wrist. And then I came in, and then, you know, the rest was history after that. Started getting recruited by a number of Pac-10 schools, but a lot of them wanted me to play a different position. That still was kind of a reoccurring thing. But the Big 12, Nebraska, Missouri, you know, I think even went to UNLV. There was a lot of schools that wanted me to play quarterback. And I remember my trip to UNLV. I remember the coach, older guy, legendary coach. He was coach at USC as well. But he John said, Robinson. John Robinson, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. He said, hey, man, you know, how about you, would you like this, uh, this quarterback, uh, big lefty dude, look good, he's about 6'6", six, six. he's going to be up for the Heisman one day. How would you, you know, feel him throwing you the ball, you playing receiver? I'm like, uh, I don't know how I feel about that, right? But I started getting recruited by all these schools, but I came here to Iowa State, had an outstanding visit. My brother at the time was dating uh, a young lady who was from Iowa, and she said that you'll love Iowa State, you know? And so she kind of already teed it up for me. So then when I came here, had a great time. Coach Nelly, you know, may him rest in peace. He was, you know, the one who recruited me heavily. And during that time, we had Clyde Sanders came from my junior college. He came here. And so they were heavy. Coach McCarney was heavy in recruiting junior college players at the time. And so it just made sense. It just came off a bowl win against Pittsburgh. Sage was leaving, had a lot of returners on offense. So it was a good time for me to, to step in right away and kind of take over the ranks at quarterback. And did Mac and his staff, they tell you, hey, you're a quarterback all the way, you're our guy? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It was as soon as I got here day one, there was no talks about another position. You know, like I said, I had K-State on the radar, Missouri, and all of them were talking about playing quarterback. There was no other position. It was a lot of the Pac-10 schools were like, hey, you know, you mind playing a different position? It worked out for the best for me. I think when I first stepped on campus, they said, hey, you're a quarterback all day long. You know, now for me, the confidence of just saying, hey, let me pick up this offense as quickly as possible, going into winter conditioning and then going into spring, so then that way I can give myself the best chance to compete for the starting job, one, and then two, have a great spring and then get ready for the regular season if I'm the starter. And so just the confidence level, knowing Mac and those guys said, hey, you're coming in, Coach Bricky, Coach Loney, who was the offensive coordinator at the time, just saying, hey, you're a quarterback. Use your athleticism, just do what you do. They just said, you play your game, do what you do, do what you did successful at when you were at the junior college level and just bring it here. I don't have any doubt that you could play a bunch of different positions, but I know you were a hell of a quarterback. <laughs> and that worked out really well yeah. for Mac and his staff. Let's start with 2001. You mentioned big shoes to fill with Sage Rosenfels going on to the NFL. But you really quickly established yourself as the guy, a 7-4 and four season en route to a loss to Alabama, Alabama in the Independence yeah. Bowl. Beat Iowa along the way. Yeah. Tell me about that, that junior year and how that went for you. Man, it was, it was outstanding. It seems like a blur. I mean, I still remember the first, my first touchdown here against you and I. It was so surreal. You know, everything happened so fast. My first run, I'm like, gosh, I'm doing this at the D1 level. And I'm still somewhat doing the same things I did at the junior college level. It felt different, and then I had two big runs against you and I. We go on to beat you and I. But then that following week, I think September 11th happened, and we postponed the game until after Thanksgiving. But uh, everything flew by so fast. I remember going to the University of Ohio. We played there in Oklahoma State, and all these teams that we played that year, it flew by. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, they're talking about, okay, I'm the Big 12 newcomer of the year. I still remember receiving that award when Coach Mack presented it to me in the rec, that year kind of boosted me and put me on the platform to where now we're talking about Heisman race. 
I couldn't do it, do it without, uh, you know, my supporting cast and the rest of the players around me. Did you find that you were a pretty good fit with this group of guys? Did you have some real close friends yeah. on those teams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jack Whitford, Lane Danielson, Lance Young, Jamal Montgomery, Jalmaine Billups, Craig Campbell. He was huge for me when I first got here. Yeah. Mike Banks and Zach Butler and Casey Sheldon and all these guys who still show up around here. You know, they just welcomed me with, uh, with open arms. And it was Ennis Haywood, may him rest in peace as well. But it was a fantastic transition. I couldn't ask for any other way to transition in from a junior college to step in right away and to be able to do what we did at a 7-4 season and obviously you know unfortunately losing to Alabama which I still think that field goal was good. <laughs> I do too. Yeah no it was a great it was a great fun outstanding junior year. Well and then that leads into as you mentioned your senior year and all of a sudden you're being talked about quite a bit maybe more and more as the season went on but I think you got a lot of people's attention in the opener down at Arrowhead Stadium against Florida State and speaking of Wrong calls. You were <laughs> you were in. There's no doubt about it. But that was a big deal. Even in a loss, the the, the point is Iowa State was right there going punch counter punch mm -hmm. with a national power that everybody respects in Bobby Bowden. How much did that kind of solidify that? Hey, this team could be really good. I think it did because it was the first game of that college season. Obviously, everybody's watching the game, and for us to be going up against a powerhouse like Florida State, I think they were ranked three in the country, maybe and nobody gave us any respect to go in that game and win. And obviously it started off a little slow, they jumped out on the lead, but then we kept fighting back. And I think that just kind of set the tone for Iowa State that year because no one knew what we had, except, you know, we did, you know, the players. But uh, going in and being able to fight back and take that game down to the wire against a powerhouse like Florida State that we have never seen before. I think everybody's kind of opened their eyes like, man, this team, this team could make some noise this year. They're for real. But it opened my eyes to a lot of the other players that, that I had around me. You know, they competed till the very end. I mean, Kyle Knock had a touchdown that game. Jamal Montgomery again, you know, he made some plays. We got some huge turnovers defensively at Teef Austin. So we had guys step up, and I think that, that game kind of solidified where we were going as a, as a unit that season. I think another game that got everybody's attention was in Iowa City, and especially as that season wore on and Iowa didn't end up losing another game, yeah. you're down 24-7 to at the half, didn't look too good. Uh, what was that locker room like, and how in the heck did you guys turn that thing around and, and win that game? You know what? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I don't even remember what was said at halftime. I knew my skill set. I knew I had an attitude to never give up, to continue to compete. And so I, I knew at halftime it wasn't nothing that really that Iowa was doing to stop us offensively. We just didn't execute when we had the opportunities. And, you know, we had to take that initial punch because they were big up front. And so they came in with that whole big boy attitude, and we had to resist that. That first half, we understood, okay. We took that initial punch. Now, how are they going to act when we counterpunch them back? You know, yeah. and so we came back out. But everything in the second half fell our way. We got turnovers, and we turned those turnovers into points. And I think that was important. Everybody stayed poised. We continued again. I think that first game against Florida State, if that would have never happened, and we kicked it off maybe against a less powerhouse team, it could have been a different outcome. But going up against Florida State, I think that kind of helped us get past that second half and then come back and win the game. But I think a signature play in that game and one that every Cyclone fan that was around during that time remembers is you scrambling in your own end zone. Left, yeah. yeah, rolling to your left and throwing it back against right. your body to Jack Whitford to get a huge first down. It's really made a statement. It, it said, we're here to win. Right. You know, we're not just looking to 
get the fourth down and punt it out of our end zone. We're here to win the football game. That was awesome. That's the lovely piece about it. I mean, regardless of whatever happened, we had an up and down season, the remainder of the season, but to be able to, one, for myself, say I never lost to Iowa. And also, you know, I'm good friends with a couple Hawkeyes, Dallas Clark and uh, some other guys, but to be able to continue to always say, hey, I never lost you guys, you know, and for, for them to go on and play in the Orange Bowl against USC and could have been in a national championship game, for us to knock them off at their place, I mean, every time I come back to the state, it makes me feel good. Every time I see a Hawkeye flag or whatever. So <laughs> that play right there was huge because, again, like you said, we were backed up. It was third and whatever. If we had to punt out of our own end zone and set them up for good field position, it was just a huge play for us because then it let us eat up some more clock. And I think we went down and maybe ate more clock off and it kicked a field goal to kind of put it out of reach. And then a week or two later, you're back here and you're playing on ABC against Nebraska, a traditional Nebraska. power, and you, and you beat them 36-14. And I think Pete Taylor said it beautifully at the end of the game. This may not be the Nebraska Bowl, but it's definitely the Iowa State of new. And, man, what a signature and, and big win that was for you to beat man, Nebraska. Correct. I mean, I, I think uh, that was probably the first time in 23 years we had beat Nebraska, something like that. It's still a huge signature win for Iowa State football. You know, that was something that we needed as a program to happen. They were still highly talented. They were still the team in the country that everybody talked about. And, uh, you know, they started the, that, that, that season off still ranked in the top 15, maybe top 10. And I remember, I think the week before, they lost to Penn State. You know, for us to come in, come back, bounce back off a huge win, big comeback, and then have to face Nebraska here at home. The energy here around Ames went up to a, no, a whole nother notch. So. Oh, did it ever. Yeah. And, uh, and ESPN's coming to interview you and Coach McCarney, and mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden you are not only in the Heisman Talk, you are at the front of the Heisman right, Talk. Right. How'd you deal with all that? You know, I stayed grounded, stayed humbled through the process because I knew, you know, I'm a young kid coming from California who... Like I said, this wasn't a, a four-year process. I mean, it all happened so quickly. Bursting on the scene like they always like to talk about, it was just, you know, I stayed the course. I didn't worry about what the media was saying or the outside world. I just knew I was here to play football. I had two years to, to do my job, to help this program, to get to where they wanted to be ultimately. And so I didn't put no number on it or I didn't sit here and put any more pressure on me. I just wanted to continue to go out and uh, you know, represent the name on my back and represent the Cyclone Nation. Today's Sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are proud to support Iowa's farmers in the field and Iowa State Athletics on the field. Well, and it all kind of hit its peak against Texas Tech with Cliff Kingsbury. They come in here and it's a big TBS game, another nationally televised game. And what people forget is your run against Nebraska the year before. Yeah, because, yes. man, it's every bit as good, if not better. I don't know if that's possible. But, but the, the run at Nebraska, take me through that one first, because that, yeah. that one was just as wild. I think that run was better than the Texas Tech one. The reason why I think it was better, one, we, we were playing against Nebraska. Nebraska that year went on to the national championship game. So their defense was stacked. They were really good. We fought down there at Nebraska, but that was a – for me, growing up as a fan of college football and then seeing Nebraska with Tommy Frazier and Coach Osborne and all that, it was like, you know, playing there. Still to this day, my ears are still ringing from the, the crowd noise and everything else. But to make a play like that down there in Nebraska, it said a lot. And I was doing it with knee braces on. People don't really understand that. I had knee braces on for the first four or five games my junior year. And so uh, I think that one meant a lot more. But I think the 
Texas Tech one gets a little bit more notoriety and people see it because it was on TBS. It was a national televised game. But uh, that first one, I mean, it's very eerily similar to the Texas Tech one. Yeah, you know, I went from the left, obviously, and then cut back and went back to the right. Uh, but got some good blocks and, you know, and rest was history on both of those runs. So take me through the Texas Tech run. Just like we talked about with that play against Iowa where you're not conceding anything. Yeah. That whole play tells me you're not conceding anything, man. You're, you're competing all the way to the finish. And you got a great block from Michael Wagner down to about the, about the 10-yard line. It's just making the play. You know, at that point, you know, your instincts take over. Now you're just a football player. You drop back. You keep your eyes downfield. You know, they take away your first read. Okay, let me go to my second and my third. But if I feel like everybody's covered, it's like, all right, let me make a play. And my instincts, I, you know, I try to get a little bit of separation from the line of scrimmage scramble to the right and then I noticed that everybody kind of let up a little bit defensively because they probably thought I was gonna step out of bounds and I said okay I can make a little hay here if I get upfield so cut upfield a little bit and there's still there's not a big pursuit coming in from the defense and then end up cut back get some great blocks and uh, you know it's just one of those things that I think the defense was like okay we thought he was gonna step out of bounds coach so we didn't really pursue it and you got to play to the finish you got to play all the way through. So another bowl trip comes out of the season, and Iowa State's uh, third consecutive. Yeah. So you got to play in bowl, bowl teams both your years yeah. here. That was a big accomplishment, especially because Iowa State hadn't been to a lot of bowls, hadn't won any bowls before that Insight Bowl. That season for us, maybe if you go back and look at the history books, I mean, that was one of the roughest seasons and schedules that we had for Iowa State. I mean, starting off with Florida State, going to Iowa, having to go to K-State, having to go to Colorado, having to go to Texas, and go to Oklahoma. And all those teams back then, people don't realize, I mean, all those teams were ranked probably in the top 15. That's when the Big 12 was really, really tough. So we had a very grueling season, but to finish off 75, I think we ended up going to the Humanitarian Bowl. We lost to Boise State, which was another difficult game because Boise State was just still building their program. They were pretty good. And uh, having to go down there and play pretty much in the wintertime, it was just... It was a very difficult and grueling season for all of us as a, as a team. Well, you got an opportunity out of it, though. So you go on to the NFL, fourth-round pick with the Seahawks, mm -hmm. and here we go again. Yeah, you yeah, got to yeah. make your mark as a receiver first before you get your shot as a quarterback, but yeah. you did what it took to make a career out of it. It was a very unique situation. I, I got all the accolades. You know, I ended up going to the Senior Bowl, got invited to all the bowl games that actually mean something. And so I picked the Senior Bowl. Some of the coaches said, hey, do you mind lining up and running some routes for us? And I said, no, nah, I'd rather not. So I turned down the opportunity to run routes for some teams at the Senior Bowl. Then we get to combine, and in the combine, I still got people questioning, hey, are you going to run routes? Are you going to do this? Nah, I'm not going to do it. But I still remember Jim Zorn, great Jim Zorn. He's running the quarterback drills, which I still think he does to this day, him and Greg Knapp. He was putting us through all the drills. And what was funny is that, obviously, he was coaching with the Seattle Seahawks at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was teams coming out, Tampa Bay. I still remember I went and met with John Gruden. I went to Pittsburgh. There was teams saying, hey, we're drafting you as a quarterback. Well, there are a handful of teams, you know, eight to ten. You know, the rest of them wanted me to play a different position, but it only takes one. You know, obviously Seattle drafted me, and I still remember, you know, Mike said, hey, you are here to play quarterback, quarterback only. I never, when I got to Seattle, and people might think, I never ran routes okay. when I got to Seattle. Never did. It was just if guys got nicked up, you were at talented enough, and he wasn't really transcending. He didn't kind of see the big picture. He was very old school minded. Yes. You know, I'm not going to be that coach that puts his back up in the game and get him hurt. 
And so uh, it was just when people were nicked up, I would fill in. And that's why I caught a couple balls. And he was really good at that. He just said, you need to be smart, but you're still my backup quarterback. If something happens to Matt Hasselbeck, you got to go in and play. Well, and it was a very good NFL career as a quarterback. But you know what's, you know what's ironic about the whole thing, Seneca, is that now everybody's looking for a quarterback like you, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at, look at Kyler Murray and everything. Yeah. I mean, this, it, they all it's want a different Seneca generation Wallace. now. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely. Might have been the first pick. Right. But it's, uh, you know, it's part of the process. It's part of just the culture. It's part of how the world is changing and seeing things. And it obviously started with people paving the way before me. We can sit here and talk all day about how they didn't respect black quarterbacks playing the position, right? You had the Warren Moons that had to go pay their dues in the Canadian League for a long time. And so there were quarterbacks before me that kind of paved the way. And uh, then obviously you transcend to more of the shorter quarterbacks, you know, the Mike Vicks of the world and myself getting opportunities. He was a different type of player than I was. But, um, you know, obviously now you got the college game, you got the high school game first and foremost, and then that is transcending into the college game. So they're taking these kids' skill set, putting it in the college, and now you're starting to see, all right, we have to do what these kids' skill set, sets are in the National Football League. So now you got, you got Kyler Murray's and you got all these different type of quarterbacks, the Baker Mayfields of the world, who they're all they're running is a spread system. They're standing back there in shotgun and throwing the ball around the field. Now, Obviously, there's a lot of things from the NFL perspective that kind of change that. There's not a lot of money guaranteed in first rounders. So now you can kind of utilize them a little bit more. But, you know, everybody kind of helped pave the way to give this next wave of generation quarterbacks the opportunity to get drafted early and play in the National Football League. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Dan McCartney was back here observing practice, and I got a chance to visit with him, and he was so excited that you're going into the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame. And uh, how much do you appreciate him for, first of all, believing in you as a quarterback, believing in you as a player, but helping to kind of shape the kind of person you have become. You've, you've got an outstanding career outside of football, a really good life. How much of a role did Coach Mack play? They all did. I mean, it started with Coach Mack, of course, but, you know, he had uh, Coach Loney, uh, Coach Nelly, like I mentioned earlier, Coach Gladaney, Coach Grant. We had Coach Ash. We had a lot of good, solid, just good people as coaches. You know, Coach Mack helped develop us and turn us into, you know, from young kids into men. He treated us that way. And so uh, he put a lot of pressure on us, which I respected. So we had to go out and fight, especially for me, being a young kid from California who relied a lot on his athleticism to get him out of certain situations where now you can't always rely on that. We need to have you understand the game of football, right? And he put that pressure on us, but uh, on and off the field. And so, uh, you know, I could just still visualize us being out there. First day of practice, I come out and it's, you know, winter time and I'm trying to be tough and I'm going out there with shorts on and a t-shirt and I'm like, I don't know if this is for me. And it's like 10 degrees outside, you know? And he's like, oh, Cindy, toughen up, toughen up, Cindy, let's go big. So he made us and forced us to be tough individuals. And, you know, even Coach Woodley and Coach Knock, there was just, a strong nucleus of guys that could just kind of help shape and mold every single one of us when I was here. Well, Lindsey Long and our Letter Winners Club have a great expression, once a cyclone, always a cyclone. And you are the epitome of that. You come back all the time. You have businesses here in Ames. Why do you stay so connected to the Ames community? Because it's just good people. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, it started when I first stepped on campus and people just welcomed me with, with open arms, you know, and obviously coming back, it just means a lot to me. I met my wife here. 
We got three beautiful kids. Iowa means so much to me, and that's why it made sense for me to always keep coming back to kind of help the community out, do what I can, and just get involved in coming back. And so that's why I opened up, you know, Wingstop here. I started seeing the growth here, and I think it means so much just for sports here at Iowa State because I want to see the success of Iowa State in this program from basketball to volleyball to soccer to every sport. But we have to give ourselves an opportunity to compete with the other schools now, the Texases and Oklahomas, the schools that have the facilities and have the, the program that stems from, you know, in the early, early, early years. And so in order to do that, we got to get kids in here and whatever case that, you know, they might, like I mentioned before, kid might come here and see my wing stop. Oh, this reminds me of back home. So it opens that door to get that next tier of recruit to come here and commit, may it be whatever sport it is. And so it just meant a lot to me to be able to come back and have a business here and just kind of see the growth of Ames and Des Moines and all these other surrounding suburbs. And so it, it means a lot. What does it mean to you when you see the stadium and think about the stadium you played in right. compared to what it looks like today? Because really what you did played a huge role in why the stadium looks like it does today, and we're drawing 61,500. That's what I'm talking about. It's just leaving your legacy behind. I mean, what kind of legacy are you going to leave behind? And when I first stepped on the field here, I wanted to be sure that every time I put my helmet on and I represented myself the right way, and, uh, and that's competing every day that I got on the football field, and to kind of help build this from where we didn't have an indoor facility to three or four years later, they're building an indoor facility for the program. and. Who would ever thought we'll be sitting in the south end zone and, you know, it's all enclosed now. We got suites coming in. And so it's becoming to be a school that's going to have great, great tradition. And at the same time, we're going to be able to compete with those other schools. To be able to be part of that, to help build this program to where it is now, with what Coach Campbell is doing for the program, Jamie Pollard as the AD. There's just a lot of good things and a lot of good energy going on here at Iowa State. Well, I'm glad you take so much pride in what's happening at Iowa State. And man, I'm gonna tell you, we still take an awful lot of pride in what you accomplished here and what you've done since here. It's been awesome. You're a great representative of Iowa State. I can't thank you enough. Appreciate Congratulations it. on your thank induction you. to the Hall of Fame. Thank you. Today's SciCast was brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Stop by one of their locations and learn why Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are Iowa's clear first choice. Thanks for listening.